Welcome to the 102nd episode of the 4th and 24 podcast with Patrick Winograd. I'm your host, Randy Winograd. In this edition of the podcast, we will talk about this past week's NBA and college basketball action. So let's jump right in with a look at the NBA, which we skipped last week. So we're going to be looking back at the past two weeks' action in the NBA, and we will start with Patrick's list of the most impressive teams of the past two weeks. Well, I will start with the most unlikely team to actually be on this list and will probably never be on it again, if I'm going to be quite honest. The Houston Rockets have now won six games in a row, actually seven games in a row if you go a little bit past two weeks ago. Uh, They are the first team ever to lose 15 games in a row, then win six in a row. They're also the first ever to lose 15 in a row and win seven in a row. Uh, And if they win their next game, they'd be the first ever to lose 15 in a row and win eight in a row and so on and so forth. Uh, I don't really know what's going on with the Rockets because, ironically enough, their number two overall pick, Jalen Green, has been out for most of this stretch. I think actually all of it possibly. It's a common theme in this in this uh, this edition of the most impressive teams that your best player gets injured and all of a sudden your team levels up. Don't ask me how it's happened, but uh, it, it, it has recently, at least to start the season. Uh, but yeah, the Rockets are playing a lot better. They're really, they're passing the ball more, which actually... As much as it is a joke to say Jalen Green's the problem because as soon as he goes out, they win six games in a row. It is true that he is a more isolation-dominant player than a lot of the other guys on the Rockets, and they they pass a lot more because they have a lot more veterans when they don't really have as many young guys on the floor, so it does make sense. Uh, They're not a better team with him not on the floor. I'm not trying to say that at all. They definitely are not. Uh, He's a truly gifted scorer, and he probably might win Rookie of the Year, so, uh, well, depending on how long he's out with this injury. Uh, But, look, the Rockets beat Charlotte. They beat OKC twice. They beat Orlando. They beat the Pelicans. They beat Brooklyn. Uh, Those were their six wins. I probably wouldn't have put them number one if they didn't get the win over Brooklyn at the end. I still would have even had them on there if they were 5-1 and because, let's be honest, beating OKC twice isn't that impressive, and nor is beating Orlando, nor is beating New Orleans. Uh, But uh, still, the win over Brooklyn carries it over for me, and uh, I want to put them in number one because, well, they might not make this list ever for the rest of the season. But moving on from them, but continuing the theme of missing a top player on your team, Without John Morant, the Grizzlies were 6-2 and two in two weeks. Also, that's a lot of games for two weeks. Eight games in 14 days is a lot. Uh, they beat Sacramento. They beat Toronto. They beat Dallas. They beat Miami. They beat the Lakers. Their losses were only to Atlanta and Dallas, two pretty good teams. Almost all of these, I'm pretty sure actually all of them, without Jaw. And the game that I actually didn't mention, if you were counting and you noticed that I said they were 6-2 and two and only mentioned five wins, well, they set an NBA record in this stretch for beating Oklahoma City by 73 points. Uh, and that was with ja, without Ja. I, I don't really... I, I don't really... Uh, I, I don't really know how the Thunder are this bad. Um, I don't really have that much of a comment on how it's possible. It seems like the only wins they get are when they're losing by 30 to the Lakers and then they play, and then they just play better in the second half and the Lakers choke and lose. And other than that, I don't think I've seen them win a single game. Uh, I know they have won other games, but... It's a very confusing, uh, I mean, it's not confusing. The Thunder just don't have a great roster that they're putting out every night. But, uh, I, look, I don't know how you lose by 73 points. And honestly, it, it could have been 80. It was 152 to 79. There was a point, I think, where it was 150 to 73 with the Grizzlies having the ball and could have hit a three to push the lead to 80 points. Again, without John Morant. I don't know how this happened. I can't really explain it to you, but... Kudos to the Grizzlies for playing well without their best player because the one thing I will say is Jalen Green is really growing into the system of the Rockets. He is, after all, just a rookie. 
Ja is the leader in Memphis and has been there for a long time. He's probably one of the longest tenured players on the team at this point. Uh, and he's the leader of their offense. He's the point guard. He's the point god. Um, and he was playing really, really, really well at the beginning of the year. Kind of slowed down a little bit for the last few weeks. But it's still a huge loss. And I'm so surprised that they've been able to hang up uh, hang up as well as they have without him. Uh, moving on to a team that actually does have most of their roster there. Uh, the Jazz were 6-1 and one this week with wins over New Orleans, Portland, Boston, Cleveland, Minnesota, and Philadelphia. The one loss was actually to New Orleans, though, so get a little bit a bit of a bump down there for that loss. Uh, but look, the Jazz are playing good basketball, as they always do. Still impressed with them, though, because a lot of times they don't have a lot of periods of sustained success. I mean, they, they normally rattle off like one giant win streak every year, and then for the rest of the year, it's like three wins, one loss, three wins, one loss, three wins, two losses, two losses again, four wins. It's kind of... They're not necessarily up and down, but they're very steady in that they don't ever get on huge streaks, except for maybe one that they get every single year. But look, they, they're on a good streak right now. They're playing really well. They're playing good basketball. Uh, and I think they could really take over the West because I think they got the relevant experience last year uh, that that uh, I think you know they had the number one overall record, but the Suns ended up being kind of the surprise team that everybody thought, even with the good record, might not be as good as the record indicated. The Suns took that title last year. I think the Jazz could do it this year. And finally, speaking of Phoenix, I put the Suns here because they were without Devin Booker for most of these two weeks, if not all of it, same situation as John. I'm not quite sure if it was a week and a half ago or exactly two weeks ago, uh, but wins over New York, Brooklyn, Golden State, and then, you know, Detroit and San Antonio. Those ones not as impressive. Uh, and their only loss was to Golden State. After them being on a 19-game winning streak, which I will just say, I don't think anybody should get any... any. I, I don't really think there's anything going against you if you lost one game to the best team in the league when you had won 19 in a row. So I, I don't even... I, I'm not saying the loss doesn't count, but it's pretty much expected. I think everybody knew... Oh, they're playing Golden State. They've won 19 in a row. Yeah, it'll probably end. Especially after they had won 17 in a row and they beat Golden State when everybody thought the streak was going to end. I think everybody knew they weren't going to beat them a second time, uh, especially on the road and without Devin Booker at that point. But still a great winning streak by the Suns. It comes to an end, but I'm not going to downgrade them off the list just because they their long win streak came to an end this week. All right, now let's move on to the flip side, the most disappointing teams of the past two weeks. Well, I will start, well, all of these teams except for one team are very, very good teams that are definitely underachieving so far. The Trailblazers went 1-6. Let's start with this. I won't start with listing off all the losses. Their only win in two weeks was over the Detroit Pistons. That's about all you need to know about the stretch, but I'll go into it regardless. They lost to Golden State, they lost to Utah, they lost to San Antonio, they lost to Boston, they lost to the Clippers, and then they lost to Golden State one more time, just for good luck. Uh, yeah, Portland is not playing well right now. If you look at the West, if you look at the playoff picture in the West, they're actually, I think they're actually out of the playoff picture. I think they're actually at 11th, uh, at least going into today. I think they're actually behind Sacramento, they're behind Memphis, they're behind the Nuggets, who are 1-5 without Nikola Jokic this season. They're not doing well, and also they just learned that C.J. McCollum will be missing some time. And now there are rumors that they might be trading for Ben Simmons. So let's just say they have a lot of issues. Um, and I think maybe the Ben Simmons trade could help them. Uh, of course, Damian Lillard is completely off limits in those trade talks, but I don't really know what's going to happen with them. I think I've said it a thousand times that 
Dame is not going to win there regardless of his greatness. So either he needs to go somewhere else or they need to change something drastically. And I guess their drastic change is going to be getting Ben Simmons, although I'm not so sure it's not just going to be a very lateral move, honestly. The one thing he might get is bring a lot more defensive intensity to the team. Uh, And maybe the idea is Philly doesn't have a pure scorer who can go so far out. I mean, Joel Embiid can shoot, don't get me wrong. But having two centers, basically, two guys the size of centers at least, that are kind of clogging up the paint, it doesn't do well for your spacing. If Damian Lillard is the best player on the floor and then you have Ben Simmons, it probably turns out a lot better because Ben Simmons can probably even sit in the paint as a as a power forward or at least uh, roam around the three-point line even though he'll never shoot a three. Um, it, I think it might work out a little bit better in Portland than maybe people might think initially. But I also think just in terms of Portland's team makeup, they do need some defense going for them. So he would help drastically in that, in that that uh, on that side of the ball. Um, but... Portland's got to figure out something, and I don't think they really have anything to figure out. And I don't think that I don't even think Ben Simmons would get them to be an automatic lock for the playoffs. I think they'd still be a play-in team if they got Ben Simmons. I, I think it would not affect them that much. Uh, moving on from them, the Knicks two and five in this stretch, they put Kemble Walker not only out of the starting rotation, but have currently benched him. He's not even in the rotation of players. Period. It's very, very strange. I think for you to make a decision that you're getting a new starting point guard in the offseason, then deciding midway through the year that not only is he not only going to be not a starter, he's going to be out of your rotation entirely playing zero minutes. It's strange. The Knicks had to fix something. His plus-minus numbers weren't great. That's a number that you think Tom Thibodeau is a kind of an old-fashioned defensive guy will look at it and just say, hey, look, When he's on the court, we're not doing so well. But I would argue most of that is not actually because of him. I think most of that is because just generally what they have isn't working. And they're not very great at defense. And if you thought that last year their defense was great and they needed to get and they needed to maybe make it the number one overall defense and top five wasn't good enough, Kemba Walker was not the pickup to do that. We know that he's not exactly a great defender. He is a pure scorer. But what they thought they needed was a scorer. And they still do need a scorer, but now they need a scorer and they need defense, and they only picked up a scorer in the offseason. So the Knicks have some long-term problems. I don't think these can be fixed by simple lineup adjustments. So uh, they're going to have some issues, but they were 2-5 and last week. Wins over Atlanta and San Antonio. Uh, Losses to Phoenix, Brooklyn, Chicago, Denver, and Indiana. Let's move on to another team who went 2-5, and the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, you had some rumblings about Jason Kidd telling Luka Doncic to stop complaining so much in this time about fouls. It actually looked like he did a little bit less since that comment, which I think Dallas fans and Jason Kidd probably <laughs> are very glad to see. Um, but look, Dallas is Dallas. They, they, they're still a good team. They still have a lot of talent. Uh, but they went 2-5 and five this week, or the last two weeks. Losses to Washington, Cleveland, New Orleans, Memphis, and Brooklyn. And then one win over Memphis, but also a win over New Orleans, who, again, they played both of them twice. You expect them to at least trade one and one with those teams to be, and by the way, to be quite honest, they should have probably at least swept one of those little back-to-back games things, um, But and they also should have won a few other ones of these games, and they had a big lead over the Nets, and they weren't able to close it out, so the Mavericks definitely disappointing this week, just not even, not only just the schedule, but also... Some of the games they lost, they probably should not have lost at all. 
And finally, the team that you kind of expect to be bad, but I'll throw in one of these every time anyway. Because they were the only team who failed to get a single win over two weeks, the Detroit Pistons, uh, although they're actually not my most disappointing. This is in descending order. Uh, they're the least disappointing out of the four, but I just slid them in because they were the lo- they were the only team who didn't win a game. Uh, 0-6 with losses to both L.A. teams, to Portland, to Phoenix, to OKC, and to Washington. Yeah, the Pistons just aren't very good right now. I think it's I think it's pretty uh, pretty safe. I mean, uh, Cade Cunningham has been looking better as the season has gone on, and as he's been farther removed from his urge from his injury, but they're still just not that great. Um, and I don't know when they're going to turn it around. Honestly, maybe they need to make some free agency pickups again. Uh, maybe if they do what they did a few years ago, they can. They can get some good pickups and make the playoffs like they did when they got Andre Drummond and and paired him with Blake Griffin, or, or had Andre Drummond and paired him with Blake Griffin. Maybe they can do that. Maybe they're just going to do what the Cavs do, which is stick in irrelevancy for a few years and then inconspicuously become a almost winning record team uh, to one year later, just out of the blue, <laughs> uh, with a few trades from... Uh, with uh, by participating in some of the bit in some of the bigger blockbuster trades and just kind of throwing picks at teams uh, and getting picks from teams and just throwing in random bench players that they have to get players like Jared Allen from the Nets last year that uh, that's what I'm referring to with Cleveland. I don't know what the Pistons are going to do. They do have a new uh, front office going, so it'll take them a little bit to figure some to figure stuff out and really figure the figure out the approach. But for now, still not a great team. Yeah, I don't think that's going to change, so let's flip and go to something positive. Uh, who was the player of the last two weeks? I will go with Kevin Durant from Brooklyn, obviously from Brooklyn. Um, 29.6 points, 8.2 rebounds, 5.8 assists, and a block and a steal per game this the, this last two weeks, I should say. Uh, and Brooklyn's been playing well. They're, not, they're playing exactly how they should play. I, I don't think they've had a stretch where they've been as crazy as we think they might become playoff time or where they're a dominant team. They haven't looked dominant really all year, but it seems like in the primetime games they've been showing up. I think every single time I see them on ESPN or TNT, they're always winning the game. Uh, It seems like they lose the the league pass games against decent teams still, but it it seems like they're losing on those other nights. I mean, I know they lost to the Bulls, um, but they have, they're a really good team. I think it's pretty simple. And uh, Kevin Durant is obviously the leader of that. And uh, as, I mean, look, Kyrie coming back would make this team easily the best because the next most talented team is not performing well whatsoever, that team being the Lakers. Uh, And right now the Lakers and the Nets are worlds apart from each other, not in talent, but in performance. So for now, you got to look at the Nets and say that they're at least the favorite to win the title. And then if they get Kyrie back, then it's going to be a whole different conversation. But I really like how Patty Mills has fit into their system, knocking down a lot of threes for them, uh, making it so that James Harden can play off the ball and on the ball and really just kind of dictate whenever he wants to to do that, like Kyrie was doing for them last year, but uh, just, you know, in a little bit of a lesser role and obviously scoring less than Kyrie. Uh, But still, Patty Mills has been playing very, very well, shooting very well from the three-point line, and that's all the Nets need, except for with Joe Harris out, they have not been a good percentage three-point shooting team. That's Really what's counted for them not looking dominant yet because obviously Kyrie is still not there. And you add in the Joe Harris injury, they are actually losing a lot of players and they're not looking terrible with it still. I mean, they're still going 4-2 and two in two-week spans, but just not good enough to make it on the most impressive list, but still a very good team. 
All right, well, that wraps up our look back at the past two weeks of action in the NBA. Now let's turn our attention to last week's action in college basketball. And let's start off with the biggest upsets from last week. Well, there were there was an upset that I think was the most surprising in terms of who lost, but then some very, very, uh, I guess, head-scratchers <laughs> that happened later in the week. So let's start with that biggest one. Number 16, Alabama beat number 3, Gonzaga, 91-82. Thanks, Alabama, for making my predictions look bad this week. Uh, the one team I thought definitely wouldn't lose in my predictions was the one of the three to lose. Uh, but look, credit to Alabama. I mean, this is exactly what I talked about incessantly on our podcast last year, about maybe eight or nine different podcasts where I said Alabama could easily win the title because all they have to do is shoot well from, from the three-point line out of the 55 attempts that they take, and then all of a sudden they can beat anyone pretty easily. This game was the exact showing of that. They shot crazy. They shot out of their minds, and they beat Gonzaga, frankly, pretty easily. I mean, this wasn't even this wasn't even a nine point game. This stayed in the ten. This stayed in the double digit margin range for most of the game, and really only got. I mean, it didn't even get close ever. But uh, I mean, Gonzaga probably brought it down to four or five at some point in the second half, uh, and then Alabama just started pouring on threes again. But Alabama's got great guard play. Uh, they just look. They just have a lot of shooting, and they know how to score. So if they just put in a lot of effort on the defensive end, if they can just be disruptive, get a few steals here and there, they can out. They can outshoot and and beat anybody playing in a game where it's all about the offense. So that's what Alabama's going to do for the whole season. And then sometimes they're going to look pretty bad and probably get upset by some bad teams when they're just not shooting so well. Uh, like they lost <laughs> to Iona, that is pretty much what happened. They only score fifty five points. All of a sudden, they lose a game, then they score 90, they beat Gonzaga. Those are only a week and a half apart. That's just how this team's going to roll for the rest of the season. Then, Ole Miss beat number 18, Memphis, 67-63. to Memphis having yet another year where they have all the talent in the world and yet cannot put anything together. This team is possibly in jeopardy of missing the tournament. I will already say that. Uh, they're definitely not looking good to start the year, and when you get into conference play, they're probably going to be playing teams that have more experience than they do, seeing as, have, as, seeing as how... Memphis has a lot of NBA talent that they've lost. Then, the craziest upset of the week, I would argue, 0-7 Texas Southern beat number 20 Florida. I don't really have any explanation for how this happened or why this happened, uh, but good job for Texas Southern. They actually made the NCAA tournament last year, fun fact. Uh, they lost to Michigan in the first round after winning a first four game. But, conference championship program, started the year 0-7, probably playing a tough schedule uh, like Bellarmine or Tarleton State. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it, good for, good for Texas Southern, really. I mean, that's all you can say about it. Uh, moving on from that, Texas Tech beat number 13, Tennessee, 57 to 52. You could argue this wasn't an upset because people in the know actually liked Texas Tech in this game over Tennessee. I did. Uh, I think actually Vegas favored Texas Tech in this game, even though it was a neutral court game between an unranked team and a top 15 team. Texas Tech is good. Uh, I think everybody's kind of doubting them because Chris Beard left, but they still have enough in their program to be a good team. They got they have good transfers, they have good in, they have good uh, returning talent. So I don't think it's all too unexpected that they got this win. Then let's move on. West Virginia beating number fifteen UConn fifty six to fifty three. Two Big Twelve teams that had a lot of success this week. Uh, look, West Virginia, another team. I think they were actually also favored in their game against UConn again. Another unranked Big 12 team against a top 15 team. But this one being at home, though, was a little bit different. And also, 
I don't think he, uh, UConn only had one loss in maybe the uh, the the battle for Atlanta so far on the season. So it's almost like they were kind of due for a loss there. Uh, and West Virginia is, you know, they're just a good team. They're hard to beat on the road. You can ask any Big 12 team about that, and they would tell you plenty about it. And uh, this is just the start of it for, for West Virginia this year. They'll be a top 25 team by the end of the year, and they'll be able to hold that position for many, many weeks, I think. Uh, but by probably by the first time they come into the poll, I pr- they probably won't leave it. Um, and then finally, 4-4 four and four Rutgers who had really struggled. They have lost to DePaul on the road. Uh, they just really have not played well to start the year. Beat number one Purdue, 70-68 to on Ron Harper Jr.'s half-court shot. Uh, Purdue becomes the third straight week that the number one team has been number one and lost. Uh, I mean, we're going to have a new number one again next week. It could be a repeat. It's possible. It's probably, it's definitely not going to be Gonzaga. I can guarantee you that. Uh, I don't even, it could be Duke, honestly. It could, it could go back to Duke again. There are a lot of teams who could make their own case for it, honestly. Um, and we'll just kind of have to see, but I think, especially with the Big Ten teams, it might keep going. Baylor could very easily find themselves at number one by the end of the week. I think I think that's pretty obvious. Um, I'm actually really surprised, though, going on the rankings for a little bit. Gonzaga beat UCLA thoroughly enough that I don't care what they do for the rest of the season. They need to be ranked out of UCLA for the rest of the year. They've now beaten them twice. I, I, they beat them. It, they knocked UCLA out of the tournament last year and then beat them by 20 this year. They shouldn't be ranked behind them. They could be 0-15, and, and I would still... Okay, maybe not that. But uh, just in general, uh, Purdue had every single number one vote this week. All 61 for the AP. There were three coaches who threw votes at Baylor. I guarantee you next week that will flip to Baylor being all 61 in the AP and all 32 in the coaches if Baylor can beat number six, Villanova, on Sunday. If Villanova wins, then we're really talking about chaos because there will not be a single undefeated team. Uh, the highest-ranked undefeated team, if if Baylor were to lose this game, would be Arizona, who are currently at number 11. And I highly doubt they would jump 10 teams to get to number one. So you tell me who's number one at that point. Is, is it about beating Gonzaga? Is, is it about who Gonzaga's beat? The, the three teams behind ba- Purdue and Baylor... Or UCLA, or Duke, UCLA, Gonzaga, and then if you want to extend it more, you have Villanova and Texas. If you don't know, all five of those teams have at least played one of the other <laughs> of the other teams. Uh, Villanova, Villanova has lost to UCLA. Gonzaga beat UCLA. Gonzaga beat Texas. Then Duke beat Gonzaga. So there's a lot of chaos going on there, and I don't really know how you would rank them. Uh, but I think for now, it's just Baylor. I think that's the simplest thing. But if Baylor loses, don't ask me to throw out a rankings. Uh, don't ask me. Yeah, the start of this college basketball season is reminiscent of the start of college football season where you had a record number of ranked teams getting beat by unranked teams. and maybe. Although the difference is the one thing that didn't happen in the college football season is all is the number one team yes. going down a bunch of times. Correct. But, um, Which I think actually only, only happened once the entire year. I, think actually, I actually don't think the number one team lost until Georgia lost Alabama if you were going by AP and then switch it to playoff because Alabama, Georgia overtook Alabama. By the time that Alabama got their first loss, I think. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if Georgia was ranked number one all throughout the season. Not all throughout the season, but by the time that Alabama was able to be, by the time that Alabama lost, I think Georgia had already overtaken yes, them. Yes, they from, had. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly right. So, but anyway, it, it's going to be a crazy year, um, and I think it, it might have a lot to do with uh, COVID last year uh, having weird, different impacts on teams that nobody knows. Just like in football, and like you said, the experience factor with super seniors and all that good stuff. All right, well. Um, 
Let's move to some other games that weren't upsets, but that were uh, close games. Well, before they got to number one in the country, number two Purdue, well, then number two Purdue, beat Iowa 77-70. to uh, Number 19 at that moment, Iowa State, beat Creighton 64-58 to on the road. For Iowa State's first road win in 26 games, we're talking about a team that is ranked in the top 20, yet hadn't won a road game in two years. It's insane, but look, that is the turnover of college basketball. Just because you're good one year doesn't mean you're good the next. We even saw Duke last year miss the tournament. We saw North Carolina sit as a nine seed. It happens. This is a very fluid sport. I mean, Kentucky had a losing record last year. It, it, college basketball is is always going to be crazy. Um, and, you know, some teams are going to benefit from it. Some teams aren't. I think Iowa State is a team that's benefited from it. And also the transfer portal has benefited Iowa State massively. They have, I mean, frankly, they have two of the best players that were from the Big Ten last season all of a sudden that just disappeared out of the, out of the Big Ten and are now on Iowa State with Gabe Kalsher uh, and Isaiah Brockington. Uh, so, I mean, and by the way, Iowa State also lost their best player receiver Bolton to Gonzaga in the transfer portal. So, ton of player turns over, turnover. And look, you don't really know what you're going to get. But I don't think anybody thought Iowa State was going to be a top 25 team at any point this year. Uh, so good for them for beating the odds there. And also a road win at Creighton. That's that Creighton's no slouch of a team. That's not that's not a really easy road game. It's not like they put a D2 team on their schedule just to say they actually did win a road game this year. This is a really really good Creighton team. Uh, and then number twenty USC beat Washington State sixty three to sixty one. Washington State was undefeated heading into this game. Pretty good team. Uh, they they I mean they held Arizona State to twenty I think twenty nine points in a game. And look I don't care I don't care how bad Arizona State is. No power five I haven't seen a power five team score less than thirty points in a very long time. So that will tell you that Washington State's a good team and they were undefeated before then. Met by many considered a a pretty decent bubble team for the tournament heading into this game. If you were predicting the tournament field already, like I am. Uh, number 19, Michigan State beat Minnesota 75-67. This was almost a blowout, but Minnesota really brought it back in the second half. Actually outscored Michigan State, I think, by eight in the second half uh, to make it a little bit closer at the end. And then number 22, Wisconsin, came back from down 22 to beat Indiana 64-59. to It's crazy that there was a comeback of 22 points in a game where the winning team scored 64 points. Uh, but... That's what Wisconsin did. I mean, Wisconsin is a good team. I don't exactly think that this team is going to turn out any different than they did last year, but they are a good team. Uh, But I think just last year, they were also just a good team. I don't see them being great. I don't see them being on one of the top seed lines of the tournament. They might just end up as an eight or nine seed again, like they did last year, and they'll be a good team. They'll have a good season. But I think they'll lose enough games in the Big Ten. I don't think this is exactly an accurate marker because, frankly, Indiana's only in the middle of the conference. They're going to play much better teams than Indiana. I can name five really easily right now that they're at least playing probably seven or eight games against, and I think you could chew in all of those as losses, honestly, uh, if you're talking about Ohio State, Purdue, Michigan, Illinois, and Michigan State. Uh, I, I don't think they could beat any of those teams, at least at this moment. And, frankly, last year, remember, they were ranked all the way in the top five and then got humiliated by Michigan and then never, really never made it back, lost to Michigan again. Uh, lost to a bunch more teams along the way and then fell all the way to an eight seed. So Wisconsin could probably end up doing that again this year. That's what I'm banking on them doing, honestly. Uh, I'd, see a lo- I'd see a lot more in the talent. I mean, Michigan has so much talent. Michigan State has a lot of talent that returned. 
and overall also added some more talent to and got a lot of guys in the transfer portal. Purdue is just worlds above Wisconsin. I could even see Iowa being being better than Wisconsin uh, by the end of the season. And by the way, they had to come back from 22 down to beat Indiana at home. Indiana might be a better team than them, frankly. Uh, so Wisconsin, th- this law, this win does not make me, this win doesn't inspire any confidence in, in them for me. Uh, but other important matchups, Seton Hall, number 23, beat number 7, Texas, 64-60. to 60. Not going to call it an upset because they were actually favored. They were playing at home again. Hard to beat Big East teams on the road, and there's your proof. In the Big East Big 12 battle, you had Iowa State, the unlikely program, who was not very well heralded before the season, go on the road and beat a tough Creighton team. Then you had Texas with their new shiny new coach uh, and top Big Ten transfer, by the way. Uh, Iowa State got Minnesota's second best player from last year. Uh, Texas got their first best, that being Marcus Carr, and a lot of other guys kept Courtney Ramey. A really, really good Texas team still, I think. But this was not a game that they this was not a game that they were able to win. Uh, Seton Hall held them, I think, to like five points in eight minutes or something at some point at some stretch late in this game. So uh, great job, Seton Hall, pulling off the upset at home. And uh, it's tough to beat big Big East teams on the road. That's why they never. That's why a lot of them can't make the tournament because they're all beating up on each other the whole season. They're all just good enough to really beat anybody except for the top dog in the conference, uh, which is normally Villanova. But Seton Hall with a good win here. And then number 17, Iowa State beat Iowa 73-53. to A great win for them. This game was really not close at all, actually. Iowa was uh, favored in that game. Yes, I was reason. gonna I was to mention that. You stole my thunder there. Uh, Iowa State, I, I see why there was no belief in Iowa State, and I see why there was belief that Iowa would bounce back. Iowa has the leading scorer in D1 in Keegan Murray. Um, so uh, Iowa definitely actually has better players than Iowa State, I would say. Um, and they, I mean, Iowa's been good for a while. I mean, I'm not saying Luca Garza is overrated, but I don't think this team needed to drop all the way from top 10 unranked without him. Uh, they didn't really lose that much other talent outside of him. So Iowa is just a really good team. And, uh, I'm actually very surprised that they lost this game by this margin. I was squinting a bit at the fact that they were favored, but not actually uh, the fact, not the fact that they were actually favored, but the fact that they were favored by five and a half was a little bit questionable to me. Um, it's just too much for a team on the road in a rivalry game. To uh, another rank, the unranked to an, team. To a ranked, ranked team. team. I mean, no, I think I think if you actually looked at it before the game and you know anything about college basketball, you would probably pick Iowa to beat Iowa State. Um, for me, I stayed away from it intentionally because I knew it probably wouldn't go that way. Um, but I think the margin, though, is very, very surprising because even like a savvy pick of picking number 23 Seton Hall over number seven Texas, Seton Hall was at home and they were only favored by one and a half. Iowa is lower ranked by probably a bigger margin technically, and they were on the road and favored by six. So the margin there is a little odd and they were the road team. It doesn't really make that much sense. Um, But yeah, good for Iowa State, I guess, to get, I mean, I wasn't going to call it an upset. So, but good for Iowa State to get the win as an underdog. (laughs) All right, well, that wraps up our look back at last week's college basketball action. It also ends this edition of the 4th and 24 podcast. Please join us for our next podcast, which will be on Monday, December 13th, where we will see the accuracy of Patrick's weekend predictions and discuss this weekend's NFL action. In the meantime, please be sure to check out Patrick's additional content, including his weekend predictions that were posted yesterday, the 14th installment of our College Football Top 25 poll, which was posted on Tuesday. Which will be our final poll, too. Well, final poll until probably after the bowl games and the playoffs. Uh, And Patrick's updated NCAA basketball tournament bracket on Saturday. 
All of that on our website, 4thand24.com. That's the number 4, T-H-A-N-D, the number 24.com. Thank you for listening.